Good morning and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian Church. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. We are located in beautiful Uptown Columbus on the corner of 11th and 1st. We would love for you to join us for worship or just stop by and say hello. At First Presbyterian Church, we welcome you with grace and gratitude for God's love. first scripture reading is the 23rd Psalm. We will be doing this in unison. We will be using the new standard version. It's in your pube. Please listen for the word of God. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me into right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life. Our second reading is taken from the Gospel of John. We are in the 10th chapter, and we are picking up in verse 11, but the first uh, set of verses... 10, 1 through 10 are all about Jesus being the good shepherd and Jesus being the gate and the door. And we're continuing on verse 11 as Jesus continues to try to explain who he is and why he is here. Listen, John 10, 11 through 18. Listen again with fresh ears. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me, I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So to get us started, I will give you permission, just in this first part, to boo, to hiss, or to have general adverse responses. 
What do you call a sheep covered in chocolate? A candy bar. <laughs> How do sheep greet each other at Christmas? Merry Christmas to you. How do sheep in Mexico say Merry Christmas? Fleece Navidad. What do you call a sheep with no legs? A cloud. Why was the sheep arrested on the freeway? Doing an illegal U-turn. What swimming stroke do sheep enjoy? The backstroke. Last one. What do you get if you cross a kangaroo and a sheep? A woolly good jumper. I know it. I know it. All very exciting. You must now stop booing, hissing, or having general adverse responses. Yeah, today's all about sheep, all about shepherd. One of the most familiar images throughout scripture. We know all about shepherds and sheep. We know how in our Old Testament tradition, those prophets, uh, many of them were shepherds first. Abraham had flocks and flocks. Moses was there uh, shepherding when God spoke to him through the burning bush. Of course, David was a shepherd before God called him into service, before he was anointed to be the future king, and on and on. In Jesus' time, still, there are shepherds and flocks that need to be shepherded around the world. We, we know what shepherds and sheep bring to our mind. Shepherds are kind of, uh, well, are on the low, low end of the economic scale, on the acceptance scale, which makes uh, the Christmas story in Luke's account even that much more uh, stunning is that the shepherds were the first one to be told by the angels that Christ was being born. They were outcasts. They were often seen as thieves and liars. Shepherds were not allowed to go and give testimony against others because they weren't trusted. It would have been a slap in the face to everybody, especially the religious order, to hear Jesus say, I am the good shepherd. That would be an oxymoron to them. There was no such thing as a good shepherd. We know sheep. We know, yes, we feel at times that we are sheep. We know that sheep are undisciplined. They cannot care for themselves. They wander away on their own. They cannot protect themselves. They need completely the care and guidance of a shepherd. They will not find food on their own. They are completely reliant on the shepherd. But there are different roles, I believe, that we play in this story. Yes, Jesus is the shepherd. Yes, we are the sheep. And to a certain degree, that is absolutely right. We know how easily we can stray from the path that God puts us on. We can nibble a little temptation of grass over here. Oh boy, that's good right there. Oh, oh, there's another one over there. And you go a little bit farther. Oh, there's a little more and you nibble your way off of the path and then you look back and darn it if everybody's not gone or the flock has moved on. We are those kinds of people. We are utterly reliant on God and Christ. But I think there's more to the story than just that relationship. Why in the fourth week of Easter do we study the good shepherd? What sense does that make? 
We're still talking about the disciples who were trying to figure out the resurrection and trying to figure out all those things that Jesus told them that, yes, it is right what I told you. Touch my hands with Thomas a few weeks ago. Jesus keeps appearing to them when they're afraid and locked up in rooms. And all of a sudden you shift to John 10, which is really before the resurrection story, even in John, why the good shepherd in our lectionary cycle. It's here because it is a reminder of why Christ came back. It is a reminder of why Christ was raised. Why? So he can lay down his life, which he did for you, for me, and for this world. In this passage, just our little verse, Christ says, I lay down my life four different times. That is significant. As if to say, and declaring, this is what I am here to do, to lay down my life for the sheep. So let's explore a little bit more the imagery. Um, there's a story, an image I like to use every time we hit this passage. Brett Blair tells a couple of stories on an 18th century, a 19th century theologian, George Adam Smith, and this preacher traveled to the Holy Land and was there and saw an authentic shepherd with a real flock doing the real job. So he grabs a translator and he goes and he visits with this shepherd and he starts asking him about how, how do you shepherd? How do you take care of all of these sheep? And they have good conversation and the, the preacher finally says, well, how do, you, how do you take care of them at night? And so the shepherd explains to him the idea of the sheepfold. The sheepfold, we've heard that before. It is simply a wall that would have had four walls, kind of a, uh, m many of them were rectangular, some round, would have been stone placed together, would have been six to eight feet tall. Why? So wolves and other predators couldn't jump over the wall to get to the sheep. So at night, the shepherd and many times many shepherds will bring their flock into this fold, again, connected four walls except for one opening. That's the way in, that's the way out. And the, the preacher says, okay, well, how, I notice there's no door on the front of this fold. There's no gate, there's no closure. How do you keep the sheep in and the predators out? And the Arabic shepherd says, I am the gate. And the preacher said, what? He wasn't talking from a Christian perspective. He wasn't talking in New Testament terminology or vocabulary. He said, I am the shepherd. At night, when all the sheep are in, I lay down literally in the open space and become the door. That's where I sleep. If any of the sheep try to get out, they have to go over me. If any of predators or thieves or robbers want to come in, they have to get over me on the way in. And the first time I heard this, I'm a visual person. It brought so much sense to when Jesus says, I am the gate, I am the door. And again, with these four times that Jesus say, I lay down my life, it all is so perfectly woven. We are those sheep that Christ seems to protect, to lead, 
And he literally has laid down his life, not just to death, but as that shepherd of us, the sheep, so that he can protect us, keep us safe, get to know us, not as a flock, but both as individuals and a community. I am the gate, the shepherd said. Later in that same visit, that same preacher witnessed several flocks going to the same watering hole. Several flocks. So this could have been four to 800 to 1,000 sheep all around one watering hole. Several shepherds. And once they got to the water, they were all mixed up. He couldn't tell one from another. How many of us can look at a sheep and tell it from another one? They're all white and fluffy. So he's looking and he, and he thinks, how can they all become separate in, in a way that they have the right sheep and they know? And so he watched. And so after they had spent some time there at the watering hole, one by one, the shepherds would do a whistle or a call or a series of claps and only their particular sheep would go with them and they would peel off and go away one by one and all the right sheep went with all the right shepherds. It's really amazing the intimacy between a shepherd and the shepherd's sheep. I don't know if y'all have mastered the parent whistle. I have not, but my mom did. Whenever we were in a store or someplace public or she wasn't sure where we were or we wasn't sure where she would, was, I would hear the whistle. <laughs> I can't do it, but she can do it. And we knew the whistle. And we knew when we heard it, mom was somewhere close and we needed to get to her or to stop where we were and she would get to us. We knew that whistle. She knew us. And she wasn't ready, at least at that point, to lose any of us from her flock. That intimacy is central to our understanding of Christ. He knows each one of us by name and tells us that when you have 100, you lose one. Do you let it go so you can take care of the other? You, know, you go after that one. That is amazing. Because often each of us are that one. Sometimes in our life we are fine, we are in our flock, we are nibbling away, blissfully ignorant of the rest of the world because our shepherd is caring for us. And then sometimes things happen to us. Sometimes we may have doubt or fear that leads us astray or we may be caught over here in a symbolic bush or thistles or hunted by some manner of prey. Now it's important to note too that just because the shepherd loves the sheep and the sheep know and love the shepherd, it doesn't mean bad things won't happen to the flock. When they leave that fold, even in the fold, sometimes sheep will get sick, sometimes predators will get to them. Bad things still happen, but the shepherd is always there, or at least the good shepherd. Now, Jesus then talks about the hired hand or what we may call a bad shepherd. What is a bad shepherd? Jesus tells us right out. 
Someone who really could just be there for the money. They don't really care about the sheep. When those sheep are threatened by the wolf, the hired hand or the bad shepherd runs instead of standing to fight, to protect. That hired hand may not know all the sheep as well. And so the whole relationship breaks down and is far less effective than a pastor, uh, uh, a shepherd who is willing to lay down his life for his flock. And if we move away from this traditional image for just a minute, I think at times we're all bad shepherds and we're all good shepherds. If we are leaders in any kind of group, whether that be your business, whether that be a group of friends, whether that be volunteer organizations, classes at school, whatever groups you're a part of that you may be a leader of, you are a shepherd of that group. And I know sometimes to be a good shepherd, first you have to be a bad shepherd. Sometimes you have to make decisions that lack of experience contribute to. Maybe you see that you're not doing the job you need to do, and so you try to work yourself into better committedness, better understanding of your job and those you are leading. But one commentator said, the way that you can tell if a good shepherd is good is to look at that shepherd's flock. Are they healthy? Are they protected? Does that shepherd know the sheep? Do the sheep know the shepherd? If we as leaders in different areas and different groups in our lives were judged by those we are leading, how would we come out? Probably sometimes good, sometimes not as good. But I think it's a great measure to look at leadership and say, are the sheep healthy? If you look at countries and places where there are leaders and the people are suffering and in terrible need, while every place is different, every opportunity is challenging, those shepherds need to be accountable. And you may think that is not the shepherd that these people need. You look at families, my goodness, Barbara Bush, how about it? What, what a wonderful woman, what a wonderful family. I've really enjoyed watching, you know, politics all aside. A matriarch of her family, someone who was always present, and they always talked about her. Well, one of her titles was the enforcer, but one that taught them, the children and the grandkids and everybody else, how to live, how to care for others. You can look at that family that seems to love each other so much and be so connected and you say, she's a pretty good shepherd. Why? Because you see the sheep. Again, politics aside, just their family relationships. And I just saw a little bit of the service and noticed that they had all of their care workers and givers up there sitting with the family in this room full of national and international dignitaries. Again, someone who cares for others. So I think we can be judged by how, 
by what state our sheep are in in the different areas. Certainly true in church. But I also think those bad shepherds are out there and they are seeking every day to manipulate us, to group us, and hoping that we are sheep that will follow their poor leadership. Not all, but some politicians. I think you look at their leadership and check their flock, and by golly, they may not be the leaders we need. You even look at some media outlets, not all, but some who seek to lump us together, to flock, get the flock together, and then pit it against another flock because that sells sometimes. Those are not good shepherds that we need to follow. Look at the health of the sheep before you follow anybody. And listen for that voice that we know is Christ. Christ says, they will know me and I will know them. They'll know my voice. It's kind of a fun little story about an artist named Francis Barad, English artist, painter, late, mid to late 1800s. He had a brother named Mark and Mark had a terrier, a dog named Nipper. He also had a phonograph or a gramophone, record player of the day, and you could record on that. And so Mark dies and his brother, the artist, inherits the dog, Nipper, and the gramophone, the early record player. And you've seen it with the big cone coming off of it. I won't ask who remembers those more intimately than others. And on some of that that the artist inherited from his dead brother, he had recorded some of his voice on those vinyl early records. And so the picture that we know that then became the trademark of RCA in the gramophone company with the dog sitting down, Nipper, his head cocked to the side as he's looking into the gramophone or the, the phonograph because he is hearing his dead master's voice. That's pretty cool. I didn't know any of that. And the title of the painting, and so Francis, the brother, paints it and titles it His Master's Voice not in relation to Christ, but in relation to the dog's master. And so here's the dog. He doesn't know what he's looking at, but he hears the sound of one he thought had gone. He hears the voice, and he does this. <laughs> and that's what we are being reminded, and that's what Jesus is reminding others. They're going to know my voice. We may not know what we're looking at, like the dog. We may not understand from where the voice is coming, but that voice will sound familiar. We are to give it an extra look. You want to cock your head to help that a little bit? You can do that. As Christ has been resurrected and seeking to speak with us all again, we are to seek our master's voice.
So it's also difficult because, as I mentioned earlier, we stray a lot. We can weave our lives rather aimlessly as we seek to do those things we know we're supposed to do, raise a family, get a job, do the whole thing. There's a story from World War II when England recognized that Hitler was getting ready to invade the British Isles. There were several things that they sent out in the way of publicity and communication to the villages and cities around them to prepare for possible invasion. They bolstered their defenses. They put guards on duty. They sought their early warning systems to make sure they were functional. They sought evacuation routes to make sure everybody understood. And they did one more thing. The British government asked every city in town to take down every street sign and every street name in and around their city with the full knowledge that if the Germans came, they would have maps, but if they couldn't find their point of origin, they couldn't find the names of the roads, it would at least slow them down enough as they were approaching London that they could take more and proper steps for defense. The hope was that they would just wander aimlessly for a while till they got their bearings. We too, again, stray so easily. Sometimes it is in small ways and sometimes large. Sometimes we stray away from those things that are so dear to us, from our marriages, from the love of our parents or the love of our children, from those things for which we have been called to in this life. We can stray so easily from those things. The hope is that we will wake up and recognize enough to repair, to rebuild, and to get back on the path that we were on. Paths deviate. Sometimes paths go different directions. But we are not meant to wander aimlessly through this life. We are meant for more. In the prior passage, Jesus says, I've come so they will have life and have it abundantly, abundantly. What a great word. I love that word, abundantly. God isn't asking you to come and give everything up and live a black and white existence of obedience and solemn sadness. No, no. Christ is saying, you don't have to worry. I am here to help you and guide you. It doesn't mean bad things won't happen, but when you seek me, you will know that I am with you. You will hear my voice and you will be my child. That is a joy. That is good and great and amazing news. And right after Easter, we are being called to seek that path again. Now, as I mentioned before, there are different roles that we can play. There's a story a preacher tells about some friends in North Wales in the mountains that run a sheep farm and they raise some other cattle, John and Marie, and they have a little dog named Mac. 
Mac is a champion Scottish collie, border collie. Bred for this, Mac in his prime. So the preacher went to visit to observe and he watches John, the shepherd, with his whistle. The whistle is for Mac to accept the training and commands. So he watches Mac close the circle on this side. Runs around full speed over on that side. He crouches. He dips. He jumps. He growls. He barks when necessary. He is a master, this sheepdog, at caring for these sheep. And John sees up ahead that the flock needs to move this way. Signals the dog. Mac moves him this way. He tells Mac to hold, and he sits and he waits. Ready to go. Waiting for the next whistle. Because there's a sheep over here Mac doesn't see, but the shepherd does. And so the preacher asked the wife, Marie, he said, does, does Mac the dog know where the flock is going or what's going on in the bigger picture? He said, nope. Mac doesn't see. Mac can't know the pattern. Mac only knows to obey. And while at times we are those sheep and part of our flock, Christ community, we are being called to be sheepdogs. There's only one shepherd, even though pastors, the word pastor comes from pasture and shepherding. At best, we are sheepdogs. There is only one shepherd, and that is Christ, our good shepherd. We too don't always know where we are headed, but Christ does. We don't always know how things are going to work out, but Christ, our good shepherd, does. And we are called to then go out and start working on that one flock that Christ is talking about. That's pretty provocative. Guess what? There are flocks, there are sheep and other folds that I want to bring in. Because at some point, there's going to be one shepherd and one flock. Wow, that is exciting. What are we supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be obeying our shepherd and seeking to help and gently nudge, as Mac did, into the fold that we are a part of now. Not by fear, not by intimidation, not by brutal tactics, but to share the good shepherd with them so they will want to be a part of that flock. So in closing, a pastor was talking to his Sunday school class as we bring in those great pastoral images from the 23rd Psalm. The pastor was describing himself as a shepherd and his congregation, the flock, and he asked the children, so what does the pastor then do? The little boy raised his hand and said, he fleeces them. <laughs> no. And then they decide to say, the 23rd Psalm from memory together. And the pastor says, who can do it? Who can do it? The little girl raises his hand, her hand, and says, the Lord is my shepherd. He's all I want. And you know what? The preacher thought that's not bad theology. You sum it up in that one phrase. The Lord is my shepherd. He's all I want. So we're being called today to be the sheep that listen for the voice of the one shepherd. Hard to do, we know that. 
We know we are being called to be sheepdogs to help others find their place with Christ as we serve and love them. And we know that we are all working toward this one flock. We are all God's children, all God's creation. Not everybody is going to welcome that, but that doesn't matter. We do our best. And we thank God this fourth week after Easter that Christ has given himself and laid down his life 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 at the gate of our fold to be our shepherd, to be our savior. So then let us go and spread that word to others to listen, to see, to sheepdog, and to help others celebrate the fact that Christ again has been raised from the dead for you, for me, and this whole earth. Hallelujah. Amen.